Today we are looking at being prayerful. This is a core value of who we are as a church. But it's not just particular to this church here. This is a core value for all Christians everywhere, all churches everywhere, of being prayerful. But I've got a question for you kids. When you need something, when you need something like food or clothes, what do you do? <laughs> okay, right, yep. <laughs> okay. So if you've got no clothes, where do you get them from? How do you get clothes? Go to the washing machine. <laughs> yeah. Why, one of the things, what's that? Yeah, that's a good place to go. Yeah. But I'm imagining a scenario where you don't have anything to go and get. If you were out and about walking on the street with mum and dad and you were hungry, I guess that you would go and ask. Uh, were you going to say something, Jesse? Ask who? Ask mum and dad. Yes. And, and Sam, and Sam uh, does go and ask mum, but afterwards, that's what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> when he can't get it himself. Um, yes. Kids, when you need something, when you have the needs of life and you need them, you go and you ask mum or dad. Because you know that if you go there and ask them, they will give you what you need. And that's a bit like what prayer is like when we come before God. We come before God and we ask Him for things because He will give us what we need. But much like our own parents, who won't just give us anything, especially if it's for selfish reasons, but He will supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory. And in fact, as we read just before in Luke chapter 11, Jesus even describes prayer like going to a father and asking for what you need. And if earthly fathers give their kids food and, and the things that they ask for, how much more will our perfect heavenly father give good gifts to his children and in fact even give them his own Holy Spirit? God is much stronger than our parents and he has access to much greater resources than our parents and in fact, God even hears us better. Let's face it, kids, we know that sometimes we ask for something from mum and dad and they say, yes, I'll get that for you, and they forget. But you know what? God never forgets. God always hears you and God never misunderstands you either. He knows exactly what you need and what you're saying and he will provide our needs. So as we look at our core values as a church, this is core. It is, it is part of who we are. We express our dependence on God through prayer. And as we've been making our way through our core values, we have um, been thinking through what, make, you know, what are the things that we need to keep central, we need to do as part of who we are as God's people. Well, we need to be Christ-focused. Or uh, the, another way of saying that is Christ-centered. Christ is at the middle and everything flows out from him and, and comes back around to him. And in part of being Christ-focused is also means being word-based. 
which is, a, which is a value that flows out of the reformational idea of sola scriptura. The scriptures alone are the, our rule of, of faith. Scripture alone is where we can go to get a, our, our, our truth. And now, this week, we are asking about, well, we're looking at what it means to be prayerful, prayerful. And so how are we going to tackle this topic today? Well, if, you've, uh, if you kids have got uh, the sheet with the, the headings on it, you'll see that we're going to tackle it through a whole series of questions. I'm just going to ask a question and answer it, and then ask another question and answer it. A series of questions and answer, so that we can learn about what prayer is and why we pray. So, let's get to the basics. What is prayer? The simplest and shortest way of talking about prayer is prayer is talking to God. That's it. That's the simplest and, and simplest, most straightforward explanation, talking to God. And so, the, the slightly longer answer is prayer is talking to the invisible God by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. but we're not necessarily always thinking about how the whole Trinity fits together in our prayers. Usually we're just praying to God. And now, technically, you could say that, um, you know, Abraham, when he was talking to the burning bush, you know, you could say that he was praying because he was talking to God. But usually what we mean when we say prayer is we're talking to God when he's not physically present in the room with us. But it works either way. Whether God is physically present here or spiritually present because he is everywhere uh, it's still prayer talking to God now where did prayer come from well as humanity rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden they left and there were still occasions where God seemed to interact directly with people so God spoke directly with Adam and Eve um, but and he also spoke a fair bit with Cain and a few others but what we notice is that when they're in the Garden of Eden, there's this like face-to-face element of the way that humans and God interrelate. But as we get further away from Eden, it's as though there's a greater and greater gap. And so in, in Genesis chapter 4, it says, in that day, people began to call on the name of the Lord. And that seems to be a part of that transition from, well, we can't go and talk to God face-to-face anymore, but we can still speak to Him. We can still call on Him. Prayer takes many forms. We've been doing several of them this morning. We do things like speaking out loud, a prayer to God, speaking to God. We speak to God noiselessly, you know, when we pray in our hearts. We've actually been in our family worship times reading through Genesis where uh, the servant of Abraham goes to uh, get a wife for Isaac and he prays in his heart, Lord, uh, may the lady who you've got set aside for Isaac, uh, yeah, Isaac, offer water for my camels as well. And it says, as soon as he'd finished praying this in his heart, the, uh, Rebecca came down with, to get water from the well. So there's praying in the heart uh, and is speaking noiselessly, like we're mouthing the words. You might remember Hannah when she was praying at the tabernacle. The, uh, the priest was so unfamiliar with what prayer looked like that he didn't even realize she was praying. She th- he thought she was drunk. But she was praying with mouthing the words, but not actually saying them out loud. We also have singing and chanting to God. So chanting we're probably not as familiar with, but both, both ways in the kind of the, the singing that we do, but also chanting to God, chanting prayers. 
It's we, praying to God includes singing and praying uh, pre-written songs, like psalms. Uh, but for some reason, we often feel weird about praying pre-written prayers that are, you know, in words. But it's no different. If you're singing a song that's been pre-written, you're praying to God. And if you're reading out a prayer, um, you're also praying a pre-written prayer. But prayer also includes not only those pre-written ones, but the things that you might call spontaneous, where we kind of make it up on the go, or where we have limited preparation for praying. So that is what prayer is. Praying to, is talking to God. But why? Why should we talk to God? Well, for starters, God says to. God says that we should, that we should come to Him and ask for what we need. Uh, Paul admonishes the church to come and bring their prayers to the Lord and, and, and come and give thanks. So that should be enough. If God says to do something, we should do it. But kind, God is kind to us and He not only tells us what to do, but He often shows us why it's a good thing to do it. So we are told to pray because it moves the hand of God. God says through the, prophet, uh, through the Apostle James, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. That's a, a very, very st- straightforward way to, s- to see it. You do not have because you do not ask. So, therefore, ask so that you may have. Obviously, not for selfish reasons, as that, as that passage is focusing on. But we also pray because prayer is the natural response of a heart turned to the Lord. It's part of a natural... Uh, belonging to one another in a relationship. If you said, oh, I belong to this person, we're, we're united covenantally, you know, uh, you can think of a marriage, covenantally united, but then you never communicated to one another, you might have some serious questions about how close that relationship actually is. So, if we belong to the Lord, if we say, I belong to the Lord, but we never spoke to Him, that, like, there's something not right there. It's actually natural and normal for people in relationship to one another to speak to one another. And so, we who belong to the Lord speak to Him. And it's the natural worshipful response. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, we were told that the whole world naturally, innately knows that they should worship God and give thanks to Him. So, it's built into us that we should talk to God. And it's the pattern of God's people across the pages of Scripture. From the Garden of Eden where they spoke to Him face to face, then chapter 4 I mentioned, they began to call on the name of the Lord. But even in Revelation, we have records uh, with situations where the prayers of God are going up to Him. And even the disembodied martyrs are pictured as under His throne, crying out, Lord, how long, how long until you uh, vindicate? So, there's lots of reasons to pray. But one particular reason to pray is that Jesus taught us to pray. And so, that leads us into the next question, which is how? How do we pray? Jesus teaches his disciples in that passage that we read before. There's a similar passage in Matthew. There's parallel passages that teach us similarly how to pray. Jesus teaches us to pray with adoration or praise. And that's how his prayer opens to them. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed or holy. So, Father, holy be your name and your kingdom come. So, it's giving praise and adoration, recognizing God. And then, 
we have intercession or petition, you know, do something for us. Can you please answer this need or this request? Give us each day our daily bread or, um, or give us bread for tomorrow. What also Jesus teaches us in our prayer that our prayer should include confession, forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And another petition there, lead us not into temptation. Our prayer should include thankfulness. There is a passage in Matthew where Jesus says, strangely, this is not how we would thank God, but this is how Jesus thanks God. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. That's an interesting way to pray to God. I don't know how many of your prayers kind of fit that pattern, but Jesus sets an example of praying to God and thanking him for doing what he does, for doing his big plans and revealing himself, or in this case, not revealing certain things to certain people. But Jesus also teaches us how to pray when he teaches us to submit to the Father's will. Jesus, before he went to the cross, famously prayed in the Garden of, uh, uh, on the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And this is how our prayers should be brought towards the Lord as well. Lord, this is what I desire. This is, Lord, what I long for. Lord, I think this would be a good way to go. But nevertheless, as much as I desire this, your will be done. It is better for my will to take a back seat and God's will to be done. But Jesus uh, teaches, uh, even though Jesus doesn't teach other, th let me rephrase what I'm saying. So those are some things that Jesus specifically shows us by example of how to pray for God. But I wanted to mention a couple other things that uh, we're shown how to pray in Scripture. We can pray with lament and mourning. In fact, in fact there's a whole book called Lamentations, which is about lamenting the fall of Jerusalem. And, it, it, and that's a prayer to God. That's a series of prayers to God, uh, lamenting what had happened. Even though it was their own fault for what they did, they were still crying out to the Lord and lamenting it in prayer. We recognize loss. We recognize judgment and hardships under God. Another form of praying is complaint. Now, what I don't mean, I don't mean complaining, you know, coming basically to have a whinge, but in terms of laying out something before God and saying, Lord, this is how I see it. This is what I think should be happening and it's not happening. Lord, please, please respond. You know, you'll see this in the way that um, David says, you know, why do the wicked prosper? Lord, why aren't your righteous ones prospering? Surely that should be the way it should go. And you'll see this, um, uh, in some respects, you'll see Job do this when he's kind of laying out, Lord, this, you know, I can't see why this is happening to me. Like, I've done all the right things, Lord. Why? 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 And so we can bring complaint to God, but not in the sense of demanding our own way, but in the sense of, Lord, Please help me understand what's going on here. Is there sin in my life that I need to deal with? Um, you know, those kinds of things. And one that um, we typically struggle to get our heads around, one form of prayer is praying imprecation. So this is when you, when this would be like cursing, right? Cursing someone or praying for somebody's downfall or harm. And famously, this is in the, the Old Testament, but you might be surprised to know these show up 
in the New Testament as well. Paul quotes an imprecation against his own people in Romans uh, as a basically saying, look, this has been, this has been fulfilled uh, by the Jewish people in his day. And Jesus quotes from imprecatory Psalms. So, these things, these, this is still a way to pray, but we know, we have it modified, let's say, in the sense that Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. We're not to, to curse them and, and, and um, pray against them, but there is still a place for imprecation in prayer, We've demonstrated by Jesus himself and Paul. And lastly, I wanted to mention that we pray with vows and oaths. We make promises before the Lord to do something. Or, or we say, um, or we call on the Lord to witness something. And this is another one that we have to use very carefully. After all, the Scriptures, I can't remember how many times it does it. It's got to be like a dozen times we are warned against making hasty vows and hasty oaths. But the Scripture still shows us good examples. Paul famously makes a bunch of oaths across his letters. So it is possible to do, and of course, when we enter into things like marriage covenants, we make vows and promises before the Lord. So we can enter vows and have promises made before the Lord as part of our prayer life, but we are to be very careful. Ordinarily speaking, we just, our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't like call God to witness um, on, on things. We just live as truthful people, but there is appropriate times to make promises before the Lord. Okay, so that's some of the ways that we should pray. But when we're making petitions, the question comes up, oh, sorry, when, I think I've got myself mixed up, when or where should we pray? When or where should we pray? Um, I've lost some notes. But we can pray anywhere. (laughs) Um, We can pray anywhere. We can pray uh, like Daniel does in private. We can pray when we gather together. Uh, we should pray. We can pray uh, in. We, we're not to pray in a way that shows off. Jesus takes the Pharisees to task for the way they kind of stand in a public place and you know they put on a big show of the way that they would pray. So we don't pray for show. Um, it is better to go home and go into a closet and pray in secret. And the heavenly Father who hears in secret. Um, so we're to pray in the public assembly. We're to pray in private. Uh, we pray um, with people leading. We pray collectively when we sing our songs together. We can pray anywhere. The Lord hears us wherever we are. We don't need to do anything special or mystical for the Lord to hear us. He is everywhere, and He can hear us. We, what should we ask for, is another question. What should we ask for as we pray? Well, we should ask God to fulfill His promises. This might seem strange because you're like, well, if God's promised it, surely we don't need to ask for it. But that's one of the things that the, that the, the people across the Scripture do. They ask God to fulfill His promises, to do what He said He was going to do. So we can, we can do that. We can talk to God about that. We can ask God for our provisions, as he, we do in the Lord's Supper. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us rain. 
give us, provide our needs. We can pray for deliverance. And you see this across the pages of the Psalms. We pray for deliverance from attack, from pray for deliverance from sicknesses uh, and difficulty. And as we have seen in, across the pages of Ruth, we can pray blessings on other people. Pray that the Lord would reward them or grant them certain things. Rewards and blessings on others. What else should we ask for? We should ask for mercy and forgiveness, knowing that we stand before the Lord in great need. We need the Lord to forgive us. Because after all, we can't actually come before God on our own merit. The only way that we can come into the presence of the Lord to make petitions of Him, imagine like a throne room with a king, and we are, it, when we pray, it is though we are coming into the throne room before the king and saying, King, please give this. Please, Lord, answer this. But we don't have any right to go into that throne room on our own. The only way that we can go into that throne room and bring our prayers and petitions is through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator. He is the one who, uh, like in the Old Testament, you remember there was a priest, and after the sacrifices, the priest would go in as a representative of the people to talk to God. And it's not like that. Jesus goes in as our representative before the Lord, and he tears apart the curtain so that we can have uh, come before the Lord with our prayers, with our needs, and still he intercedes for us. So how can you have Jesus intercede on your behalf? Well, you need to become one of God's children. You need to become one of the people who belong to Jesus. You need to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And then how do you do that? You put your faith and your trust in him. He came into the world to live the perfect life that you could never live, to die an atoning death in your place. And he defeated death so that you don't need to suffer eternal death. So he's done that for you. And if you put your faith and trust in him, he says, look, here, I've got perfect righteousness. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to take your guilt and sin to myself. And that's what he, that's what he dealt with on the cross. And now you are in the family. Now you are a citizen of the kingdom. Now you have every right to go in before the king, to go in before our Lord and Father, because you are one of his own. What posture, sh uh, hang on, I, I, my, um, my notes are very messed up, so please forgive me if I get a little bit tangled up and turned around as we work through these things. Next question is, um, uh, what should we ask for in prayer? Yeah, what should, what should we ask for in prayer? We've kind of covered this a little bit, we, where we can talk about things that we need, Oh, no, I've, I've covered all these things. I've already answered that question. What posture should we have in prayer? What posture should we have in prayer? Now, there's not one specific way that you have to stand or, or do in order for your prayers to be heard. You might be able to call to mind some particular religions around the world that have special ways that their prayers are offered up, perhaps with incense or perhaps by standing a certain way and facing a certain direction and doing a certain uh, ritual set of actions to, in that way they think that they will be heard. Um, or, or, or some, uh, I, I'm always astounded by it, but have you seen those uh, Asian 
prayer wheels. I can't remember specifically which religion or which country, but they have prayers written on kind of timber um, cylinders, and they're all strung up. And so what you do is you go along and you kind of roll it. And the idea being that if you roll the, the, the cylinder and it spins, it's as though you've released a prayer on your behalf from the cylinder. Or you might have seen the Tibetan prayer flags where they, they write the prayers on the flags and it's as though when the wind blows past, it picks up the prayer and it's, and it's prayed. But that's not the way that the Lord is sought in prayer. No, we, we seek the Lord with our, with our minds, with our voices. And there are some ways that we are free to, uh, some postures that we are free to take in prayer. These are not things that are required to make the prayer more holy, but they are the example of the scriptures and in some places almost recommended. What we can do is we can be on our knees before the Lord. And other positions of kind of submission before the Lord include bowing our head in prayer. Abraham bowed his head low. Or we can go prostrate, lying basically face down on the ground before the Lord. So these are postures that we can take. And these postures, each of them, on our knees, bowed head, going prostrate, these are all, uh, these are all positions, postures of submission to the Lord. Um, prostrating ourselves before Him. But also in uh, 1 Timothy, when, when Paul is instructing Timothy on how to run church... One of the things he says is, I desire everywhere that men should lift holy hands. The, the place, in every place, the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So not only is their position of, kind of uh, you know, bringing ourselves down and submitting to God in our, in our posture, but also raising ourselves up to look to God. Even though it's not as though we are seeing God there, as if God is sitting out in space, you know, just beyond the orbit of the moon, waiting for us to look at him. No, he's, he's not seen, but there is a sense of lifting ourselves, our faces and our hands to seek him and to receive from him. So those are just some things. A relevant question that comes up when we start talking about prayer is, does prayer achieve anything? Does prayer achieve anything? And the answer is, yes, prayer does achieve things. But why would somebody ask this? Well, we go, God knows everything that will happen, and what will happen will happen. You know, there's kind of what, what some people might refer to as fate. God knows, things are set. So, and on top of that, God already knows what I need, so why should I ask him for what I need if he already knows and what already what happened will happen. But this is a misunderstanding of what prayer is about. And we're not telling God something that he doesn't know. We're not, we're not bringing him things that he has forgotten. But instead, prayer is one of the means by which God's hand is moved. So God has his plan. God is control of everything. And his plans are not thwarted. They're not changed by our prayers. But one of the ways that his plan unfolds is through prayer. One of the ways that his plan unfolds is through our prayer. So you might say, one of the classic ways of saying it is that God has ordained the end, what's going to happen, and the means, how it is going to happen. 
And so when you come to him in your prayer, you are you're doing the means that he wants for his plan to unfold. It's not for naught that, that James says, you do not have because you do not ask. So when we come before the Lord and we ask, it's God is hearing and God will act. And that is part of his plan, to hear and act on our plan, on our prayers. So ask boldly. Ask boldly. Because one of the other ways that is bad to ask is to ask without actually expecting to receive anything from God. Do you remember when uh, some of the disciples were praying when Peter was in prison? Peter was in prison and they got together and they're having this intense prayer meeting, praying for Peter after he had been arrested. And then God let Peter out of prison by an angel and he went over to where the prayer meeting was and knocked on the door and they didn't believe it was him. They didn't, it was almost as though they were surprised that God answered their prayers. God delivered Peter. And so when we ask, we should ask in expectation that the Lord will hear and he will answer our prayers. A last question for you. The last question is, should I pray when I don't feel like it? I don't know if you've come across this in your life where you're like, I know I should pray, but I just don't feel like it. And it's as though we we say to ourselves, well, it would be inauthentic or it would be, my heart wouldn't be in it if I was to pray right now. So does that mean that I should not pray in that moment? Should I pray when I don't feel like it? Yes, you should. And let me explain with an example, with a, with a lived out metaphor. Imagine that you're an employee and a boss. You've got, you're the employee you're working on behalf of the boss of this company, business, whatever it is. The boss owns a business, he pays you. The boss, he gives you your tasks, what your job is to do. He gives you guidance on how to do it. He supplies all the needs that you need to, in order to be able to fill, fill your task. And then he lets you loose to work on his behalf. But now imagine as the employee, things are starting to go wrong. You're not hitting your targets not doing what you're supposed to be doing properly. And then there's other factors, other things going wrong that are outside your control. The shipment didn't arrive on time. The customers aren't treating you very nicely. So what should you do? In that moment, should you not go and talk to the boss? When things are going bad, when you're failing, is there any benefit in keeping it to yourself and trying to hold on to it when it's all falling apart around you? You it's understandable that you don't want to go and talk to the boss because it's, all, it's bad news or you're afraid of how the boss will respond to the bad news. Perhaps there's the shame, there's fear, perhaps you secretly think that he actually set you up to fail in the first place. But at the end of the day, what is to be gained by not going to talk to the boss in this situation? And, and I'm sure you can see the parallel here. What is to be gained by us not going to the Lord? And it's not as though he doesn't understand what's going on with you or know what's going on with you. How will it help you to stay away from God? He is the one who has the power to help. He has the extra authority to deal with the issues. And if he, you have failed him, he's the one you need to go to to get forgiveness. We are not helped by staying away from the only one who can help us. 
and look, it's a, it's a, it's a normal response in, in terms of like, it's an understandable response. We've seen it from the first days with Adam and Eve. When they sinned against God, what did they do? They realized they were naked and they tried to cover themselves up. And that's what it's like when you say, I don't want to pray, I don't feel it, because it's trying to cover up. It's trying to, it's trying to hide away from God. We hid because we were naked. And we do this in so many ways. But a question might be worth asking is, what are you going to turn to other than God? Or, or perhaps what is your pattern? What do you turn to instead of turning to God? Perhaps you turn to other relationships. You, you turn to other people for your identity and your comfort. But you're turning to, your, to comfort in a person who can never be perfect enough for you. Perhaps instead of turning to God, you turn to worldly systems of mental health that direct you away from God instead of towards Him. Where instead of listening to the timeless words of life and instead of going to the life giver, we imagine that somehow somebody with a degree and a few peer-reviewed papers will be a better option than the Lord Himself. Perhaps you turn to distractions or things that will dull the pain, with endless hours of TV and gaming, or perhaps you literally dull your senses with things like alcohol or drugs. But none of these things are the things that can give you the help that you need. We need to go to the life giver, the one who knows us, the one who made us, the one who provides everything that we need, the one who has endless storehouses to supply us, the one who is our good father who gives good gifts to his children. If, if it feels inauthentic to pray to God, perhaps it, that's an opportunity to recognize that you need to be authentic with God. And, and perhaps it's also worth asking the question, what would Satan stand to gain from me staying away from the Lord? Would he be happy if I wasn't going to the Lord to, in prayer? Nobody is saying that you need to pretend to be happy when you're, when you're sad. Nobody's saying that you, um, that you need to put on a facade with God. No, go to God with what you have, with where you are at. If you are sad, tell God about it. If you are angry, tell God about it. If you're ashamed... Tell God. If you are fearful, tell God. If you are weak, tell God. Go to Him. He has untold reserves to supply your needs, your physical, mental, and spiritual needs. So go to Him, even when you don't feel like it, because it's what's good for you. You know, as kids, you know, you didn't want to ask, you, you know, maybe imagine back in the day when medicine used to taste bad and you wouldn't want to tell mum and dad that you were feeling sick because they would give you medicine that you didn't want to eat or drink. Sometimes it's going to taste bad when we go seek the Lord because we actually need the medicine, even the medicine that tastes bad. But it's for a better future. It's for healing. It's for, it's for flourishing. It's for it's for good and the Lord wants good for his people 
So with all that said, this is my encouragement for you to be prayerful. Prayerful in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to do that, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together.